Praise God. Amen. So I thought we'd continue talking about what we did last Sunday, about 12 things that faith is or that faith does. Amen. Praise God. Because we, we have to live by faith, and I think it's always good to understand how faith works and to put what we learn into practice. That's the best part of anything that you learn is how you put it into practice. Uh, there's so much learning that we do, and I'm not against learning at all, but I always tell people, you know, go to school because you want to go. Don't let anybody force you to go. Don't let things pressure you because that's a lot to invest, a lot of time and energy you're investing. And if it's not going to bless you, it's not going to be good for you personally. Uh, you know, sometimes I just like to study because I like learning. I like understanding new things. I like challenging my my brain, <laughs> my little gray cells, uh, to be productive and so forth and so on. And I've always enjoyed learning. I've never felt defeated by it. Uh, and so it's it's always been a joy for me. And I think that's true about anything that we undertake. Do it because you want to. And, and you're motivated to do well at it. It's the same thing with studying God's word. I think we need to do it because we enjoy it and also because it's necessary to learn these things. We're learning about the Lord. We're not just studying a book, but we're learning about God, and we can put it in the application at all times, every single day. Somebody give my gun. I'm going to shoot this phone up here. Gotta just, just a talking. What's she talking about? this phone Siri shut up do you know the Lord Siri of course she don't look at her just running her mouth and running her mouth and running her mouth we can get a fix for her where the where the phone the silence thing oh yeah I'm put her on me oh she reading the Bible oh excuse me Siri she still ain't say right and reading the Bible on see that's out of order. It's time to listen to the word. She's sitting up there reading the Bible. Yes, I have the son of so and so and the son of right. up with that. All right, Siri. So now you can how come you don't get a little English speaking man? That's what I got on mine. Maybe the book of Hebrews. Go on talk. Talk to me. Talk to me. Praise God. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> a little English butler. I said, after that, let's have some tea. You don't get to get me some tea. <laughs> I make the same mistake. Again. Whatever. Okay. So we talked about the things related to faith last time. We had some things that we just we really probably went over about four items. Number one, it was confident assurance. Number two, that understanding. <clears throat> the understanding that created creation by God comes from the invisible realm. So that's what faith helps helps us to do. That's why so many people are talking about evolution. They don't put any faith in what you're saying to them. They want to fight it, you know. But faith will give you understanding of the deeper things of God. Amen. You have to you have to desire to believe it. You have to put it out there in a realm of of believing possibility before God will make it real to you. You can't be challenging God and God if you're real. I mean, he might do that with people who really don't know him, 
but he doesn't like to be put to foolish tests. You know, you, you, you have to know his character, know who he is, and want the truth that he's willing to share with you at a particular time. And so you can't just jump and tell God, you've you got to tell me this and tell me that, or I don't want to have anything to do with you. He's tell you to go, go home till you get some manners. <laughs> Faith also is acting out what we sincerely believe and doing it over and over and over again. Sincere faith will repeat the things that faith tells it to do. So sincere faith is repetitive. Also, number four, uh, 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 faith has an eternal voice. We talked about Abel speaking to us even now because of faith. So faith has an eternal voice. We talked about some of the things that we get to declare when we pray. And how the, those words are picked up by people in the natural sometimes. You'll, you'll be able to see those things. There's some things the Lord has been telling me to speak about over this nation uh, for the coming election. And so I'm, I'm going to see, <laughs> you know, you see if they're got, because you hear people repeat them, you know. And sometimes unlikely people will pick up and hear what, what God tells you to say in the spirit. Okay. And number five, so that's the one we're going to do today. And that's from verse five. Verse 5 says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. And he had this testimony that he pleased God. So people who please God don't really live in this realm. You're translated. Now you notice it didn't say transported. It didn't say transubstantiated. Transgender, transvestite. It didn't say none of them trannies. It, it says you're translated. Which means that you you go from one language to another language. So when you're in earth... And in the natural, you, you are a person of earth language. See, this is important to understand because language is the essence of the expression of your faith. It's also the essence of God's expression of his faith. So faith really is a matter of language. Why? Because we, we express our faith with what? Our words. And also our actions. So if your words and your actions match up with God's words and actions, you'll be translated over into God's language. And Enoch walked with God so much that he was translated totally from the visible over into the invisible realm. Because God is invisible. Now, we're visible because, and we have the option of speaking the language of the earth and speaking of natural things, what we see, what we feel, what we think, what we hear based on natural things. So that's one language. But then when we need something, we adopt God's language, the language of faith, calling those things that be not as though they are. God is not saying he's going to do something. It is already done. It's our, so when you speak faith, you must speak God's language. 
That's why sometimes faith doesn't work for some people. They're trying to get God's faith with natural language. You got me? You must use God's language in order to get his faith. If I spoke to you in Spanish, you could believe me because that language, if that language is native to you, you don't have any trouble understanding me. Well, faith language is is natural to God. It's native to God. And so we have, have perfect understanding to God when we use his faith language. So God is not confused about what we want, and that's what you want. You want him to understand you. You got me? You already understand him as much as you can. But he needs to understand you because he's got to bring what you desire into your life. So you have to adopt his language. He can't adopt our language because he's a spirit. We talk our natural language. We're talking about natural things. And so when you talk about natural things, you're calling things that are the way they are. And they remain as they are. When you speak faith, you call things that be not as though they are because you want to change the way things are. Got me? So you have to translate over into God's language because when you have a covenant with someone, they call the shots. It's just as simple as that. Amen. It's just that simple. If we could say, for instance, we could have what we say no matter what language we use. You, you, would, you could never be, you could never make a mistake. You would have to be holy. You got me? We're not holy. So God has to factor in the fact that we're not holy and we make mistakes so that not everything we say comes to pass. So you can't be unholy and get holy results. And you don't want those results. You got me? You don't want unholy results in your life. So you have to come to God and and find out how to get that change that you're looking for. And the major way you get that change is you say, well, my faith isn't perfect. My faith isn't what it should be. But I have a measure that I can put over into God's hands and allow him to manage my faith for me. That's what we do. When, we, when the Bible says, have faith in God, Mark eleven twenty three says, have faith in God, which means put your faith in his hands and let him manage your life through his faith. And you do it by the spirit of Christ that lives in you. The spirit of Christ understands God. It has a language that he and God understand. And so when you speak from your spirit, you are limited to what Christ would say in situations. You can't bring everything you want to pass using God's language. And you have to understand that whatever he has ordained for your life is more than sufficient for every need. That's what trust is about. 
So you've got to trust that whatever God is allowing to come into your life by the faith that you put in him is more than sufficient for the purpose that he has ordained your life. And so you, you have to, that's part of believing God, have faith in God, put, have the God kind of faith. If you want the kind of faith that moves mountains, you must take it out of the natural realm and put it over into the hands of somebody in the supernatural who has the power to move that mountain for you. And, and so that's what we do with our measure that we, we're given. You can't boast in it because every man is given it, but who do you trust with it is really the, the issue for us. And so Enoch trusted God 100%. The Bible says he walked with God. That means that he had a relationship with God where he didn't miss a step. And it doesn't mean that, oh, Enoch can't have any fun because God's in his pocket all the time or God's in his life all No, Enoch finally found his real purpose. And his real purpose was to have communion and fellowship with God, and he longed for that on a continual basis. So he not only put his faith in God, he put his trust in God, but he had fellowship in God that he enjoyed. He must have enjoyed it because he continued with God continually. And so the Bible says he walked with God until he was not. So it means that he walking with God pleased God. And that's what we have to understand. When you walk with God, you please God. Now, that has nothing to do with people, does it? See, this is a problem for us. Because many times we get our satisfaction from what people think about us instead of what God thinks about us and it's not that we're anti-people because if you're going to please God you love his creation too but you know how to keep him in the right order in the right perspective in your life you have to learn how to please God first and then from from that relationship understand with God how to please people and we constantly get it screwed up. We get around people and we think, oh, well, you know, I, I, I like this person and blah, this, blah, that. And, and what do I do? And then when you don't please them, you're disappointed because they give you some reaction that you don't like. And so we, we have to understand that pleasing God will take care of the people issue. you got to trust that. You got me? When you please God, that takes care of the people issue. So you don't have to. It's like, for instance, if people criticize you about something. You know, with Christians, it's always attitude. You know, we think that we're the greatest judges of people's hearts based on, you know, sometimes, and sometimes it's a habitual thing. You know, and, and, and if, say, if somebody is impatient or, or snaps at you, and they do it on a consistent. You ever stop to think maybe you're rubbing them the wrong way? Now don't get me don't don't get all bent out of shape. You know, I know we supposed to be nice people to everybody and everything. But did you ever stop to think that that might be instead of it being a one-way thing all the time, always their problem, 
it's see relationships are dynamic what they say dynamic it's one person does one thing one person does the other thing it feeds this it feeds that so forth and so on because none of us is holy we've all sinned and come short of the glory of god and sometimes it can be a dynamic thing and a misunderstanding on their part and yours so that's why god says just forgive everybody you know come on now please me you go back to pleasing god leave that on the shelf and little bit if you'll do that little by little bit god will help you to come to peace with one another and come to understanding with one another now there are some things that definitely need to be corrected but we don't correct them so that we can get along better with one another as the principal thing we correct them so that we can be right before god if you put god on top of everything all of these little things will get to be small things you got me you got to keep it in the small thing category or you'll be you won't want to walk with god you know it'll be too hard to walk with god well god i got to keep forgiving these people over and over again why do i always have to be the one well you don't stop to think about what they might be giving on their forgiving on their part for you you got me like i can't help it if i sound like your mean teacher that you that flunked you in the third grade you understand i can't help that but you can forgive me and you can come to peace with me and you can put that in the small thing category and we can have fellowship with god first and then with one another because if we don't live that way we will not walk with god and that's what you want to do you want to have this really really good harmony between you and god a perfect harmony between yourself and god and allow god to be pleased with your faith god i'm up here walking with you again you know i'm i'm the person that nobody wants to go to lunch with or whatever whatever but here i am walking with you god and i'm doing the best that i can and we all go through things like this you go through things where you're rejected you're cast aside or everybody's going to have their fair share of it so that's why god sums it all up at the cross and he says you know what forgive that person that's a command if you don't forgive them i will not forgive you and i want you to walk like that and walk in harmony and that's what enoch did with everybody everybody who rubbed him the wrong way he forgave them and ran and found god again it's the only way you're gonna walk with god you've got to live in forgiveness harmony with people now you might not walk you know with, with you know your one leg and the one two legs and one pair of pants with them but you can have peace with them where there's no animosity and no strife and there's no unforgiveness and no bitterness and if you'll do that you'll please god <laughs> so you'll you'll get translated you'll start to speak god's language more and more in your life because faith works by love you can't work it no other kind of way if you're going to walk with god and so i tell you this just to let you know that sometimes god will demand things of you that you think are not fair but he's looking at the god that's in you that's able to do those things it's not you're not trying to do this on your own strength you are doing it number one to please god it's a command of god number two you're doing it to keep your relationship strong with god because you want him above all things 
So if we want him, we have to get him at a cost. It's going to cost us to have to to forgive. It's going to cost us. You know, I, I used to go through that with my husband a lot. And, and the Lord told me one day, he said, well, you have me. Don't I? I mean, sometimes you wonder <laughs> about yourself because you're all stressed out and all angry all the time and bitter and all that kind of stuff. And so I would tell him sometimes, well, how come I have to do all the, the this and the that? He said, well, you have me. And if you stop to think about it, now that will mess your head up for about 15 years just trying to figure out what God means when he says, you have me. Well, God, if he would get you, he could do some of the heavy lifting around here. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we think like that. But God said, you have me. And I thought about it. And I said, you know, God, it's up to me to win him over to you so he can have you too. And if he gets you. And he lives for you. He'll be at peace with you. And really, that's all. The conversation stops there. You don't pray to get people saved so you like them better. You got me? See, and see, that takes all this stupidity in us off the table. See, this will help you walk with God. Because if I'm complaining to God about his behavior that I don't like, and God says, you have me, my next question is, well, what does that mean? <laughs> How is that an answer to? Hmm? It's like this. Barb, get with the program. Get with the business at hand. I, put, I saved you first because I knew I could trust you to live right before me, to live as an example to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness, to walk with me so that that behavior could draw him to me for what I want, not for what you want. So people don't get saved so their behavior is better and we like them better. People don't get saved so they can come to church with us and sit beside us and everybody will know we got saved people in our house. People don't get saved so that we can brag about all the save, all the people, you know, all the notches on our salvation belt that we collected. People get saved for God because God wants them saved. End of story. There is nothing promised to you about living with a saved person. What you think you like somebody better because they saved? Then love your neighbor who goes to church with you. That should be proof positive right there. No great earth-shaking, shattering thing is going to happen for you personally because they get saved. They get saved because they need God and you don't want them to go to hell. And end of story. End of story. See, I remember the day God told me, he says, salvation belongs to me. I read that scripture. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, it means it's my business and not yours. He says, it's my business to get them saved. Now, if you want to help and participate, 
I'll let you pray for them. I'll let you love them. I'll let you live as an example. I'll let you forgive them. I'll let you do all those things. But salvation is my idea. I was the one who sent my son to the cross. Salvation belongs. It's totally 100% my property and my business and not yours. And it helped me to quit making unrealistic expectations about people unrealistic demands for a certain type of behavior because I thought I would like them better if they be, you know, a little witchcraft stuff, a little puppets, you like puppets around and all that kind of stuff. Help me with that. And so it'll help your understanding of what salvation really is. It'll help your understanding about what relationship is and what faith is and how faith can be used and what faith is to be used for. Faith is never to be used to, to make people put them in a category where you'll accept them better. It's not what you use. You use faith to help people to come to Christ, to have a relationship with God, to know Jesus as healer, to know Jesus as deliverer, to know Jesus as all of those things. And that's what, what Enoch was doing when it said he walked with God. He knew exactly why God was was here on earth and he made up his mind he would be on God's side in everything that happened. He would participate as somebody who loved God, knew God and was always on God's side. And so that's and, and it's a sacrifice to do that. You may have to just look at yourself and say, "Well, God, you know, can I enjoy anything down here?" Yeah, you can enjoy him. And see, once you understand that that's what this is for, that's what faith is for, so that we can stay in a place of enjoying God. We can stay in a place of serving God in perfect relationship, obedience to God, knowing what God wants us to do day in and day out and be 100% content in doing that and actually running after God when we, we find ourselves lagging behind. You know, oh, God, I got to play catch-up today. Yesterday I was out of sorts. I didn't like nobody, but here I am again running after you and pursuing. Amen. So we can say that Enoch pursued God to such a degree that he caught up with him every day and walked with him. And pretty soon he lost track of who he was. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to lose sight of who we are because we're so content in relationship with him. And that's when your life really gets to be fruitful and productive, I believe. It's it's when you walk with him to the degree that you lose contact with who you really are. And you make up your mind, you know what, I'm not going to grumble, I'm not going to complain, I'm not in this. And let me tell you why you can say that, really mean it. The Bible says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. As long as he's taking care of you, what do you need? You see what I'm saying? You don't have need for all this stuff we always say, gotta have this, and when is it going to happen, all that. I know our minds go to spinning off, and I think it's sometimes it's a boredom that sets in on us. You're not being productive for God. You're not really doing anything of great shakes. And this kind of boredom sets into your mind, well, when is this going to happen? Or when, remember this prayer you prayed, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? And so I think if we can stay connected to God where our minds are fruitful all the time with the thoughts of God. I mean, God has so much he wants to do in this earth. You know, if we just sit down and listen to him sometime and understand 
what his thoughts are, what his plans are. He'll share those things with us, especially if you're willing to pray. He'll share all of his plans with you that, that he thinks that he can, you can help him handle down here. And so it's a tremendous thing then to begin to be translated into his language. We do it little bit by little bit. Amen. You start off with a, a little bit of understanding of God's word and you start to speak his word. And it's like, you know, parents always want to hear they can't wait for when the baby's first born, can't wait for the baby to start talking. Then when they start talking, man, you wish they shut up. Huh? Especially little girls, you know, they just they, I love little girls. They're very entertaining. You know, they always have something interesting to tell you, you know. Little boy's a little scary to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> they run off somewhere and you say, what you doing? They tell you, sorry, you ass. You know? <laughs> well, the dog doesn't have any hair anymore. You know, they, uh, shaved him or something like that. But you know what I'm saying. But parents are just, you know, dying for the kids to speak. I think that's what God does. When he hears those first little faith words out of us, amen, he is so delighted. Amen. And so he wants to help us learn more words, just like you did with your kids. You know, you help them learn more words. If they call something different than what it was and pointed to the wrong thing, you know, you told them what that was and you helped them along. And that's what God does with us. He trains us and helps us to know his language because language, as far as faith is concerned, is everything. Action always follows language. So the action of faith is not a puzzle or it's not a problem because once the language comes out, then the action would automatically follow. For instance, if you start saying that you're going to uh, go to college and, and learn physics, if you say that often enough, you'll convince yourself and then the action will follow shortly. That's the way humans are made. That's the way faith operates. So when we start to say something from our hearts and we really mean it, pretty soon it will be followed up with some action. Unless the enemy scares you out of it, but the first thing that will happen that you notice is you start changing what you say about it. Huh? Fear will always make you change what you say. So then your language changes to accommodate what fear is telling you is going to happen. Instead of your language staying the same. So in order for you to receive what it is that you're doing by faith, that faith is going to have to overcome some kind of resistance. You got me? Because really resistance, resistance is important for faith to develop. Faith in God. It, 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 because if you're talking about living in an unholy world, God's faith is a holy commodity or a holy spiritual force. So it's going to meet some opposition once it's expressed out here. And the way you uh, face opposition is very, very important in whether or not God is pleased with your faith. Not me. His, you have to know that the faith of God is powerful enough and capable enough to overcome every opposition to it if you will continue in faith. And see, that's when it pleases God because you'll find all kinds of opposition to what it is that God has told you he wants you to do 
and what you say you want to do from God or for God or what you say you want from God. And so once you realize that when that that no, remember when you would daydream about stuff and something would stop you? Unbelief is what that was. And unbelief stopped you for a good reason. Because you had no power within you to make it happen. Huh? If I tell you that I'm going to, oh, you know what? I just decided I'm going to take ballet lessons. I'm going to be a prima ballerina. Well, number one, you're about six inches too tall and about pounds too heavy. You got me? So unless you're going to do it in about years too old. And so unbelief will stop me from saying, I said, oh, I'm just messing with y'all. And see, unbelief does that to us to keep us from being frustrated, unhappy, and depressed in our lives. Because if your, your faith has the ability to renew you, rejuvenate you, to make you healthier, to make you everything, to bring everything to your spirit and into your body that you will ever need in life. But if you have no ability to bring that to pass, It'll hit that wall and you keep trying to move it and you're angry, frustrated, tormented and all this kind of stuff. And so so that you're, you won't lose your mind, you back up off of it. So unbelief helps us from being frustrated, angry and upset because there are things we have no power to bring to pass. But in God, if God promises you something, I don't care how impossible it looks, if you start using your faith, you find little by little all those resistances kind of push over. And you keep going, let me go a little bit further. You mean that thing caved in and you said I pushed over? And you go a little bit farther, oh, really? It's pushed over again? And then you get into what God has for you. Because now in God there is supernatural ability to bring these things to pass. And unbelief is no longer a helper, but it's an enemy now. You got me? So when your faith is in God, the unbelief that used to protect you from fantasizing and living in a dream world now allows you to go through every barrier that would ever come against that impossible dream that you have because you dreamed it in God. Look at Joseph. Many times we'll get involved in things with God and it looks like it's not going to happen. In fact, you say you're going this way, and the exact opposite begins to happen in your life. Why is that? Because the forces of darkness begin to array themselves against you so that what it is that you're purposing inside, they're trying to make your, that unbelief spring up again to block the way, to help them block the way for you. I think what Pastor Shirley was talking about, we were talking about this yesterday at lunch, about certain cues that you can get with the enemy will do certain things to tip you off. Well, that's because you're using your faith. And see that resistance, he's just fighting you back because that's the resistance that's resident in the earth period to keep the kingdom of God from manifesting. Because if God's kingdom manifests, the devil's a triple loser. So all he can do, he can only work with us in the realm of the natural and deception the way he's always used with us. And so he tries to deceive us into thinking either you never heard from God or you've done something so wrong that God won't forgive you and your faith don't work anymore. 
or you're such a bad person that you don't walk in love enough for your faith to operate. You know, if you're real intelligent in God, he'll start, he'll up the ante and start giving you, like he did with Jesus. He'll give you them intelligent answers to see if he can get you to get stupid, see, and walk away from God. All he wants you to do is quit hammering at him with the word of God, see. And so Enoch, we can say, every time something came against him to oppose him, he hammered that thing. And God said, look at my boy down there. Look at what Enoch is doing. Uh, Come on, Enoch. Come up a little higher. He's down there using my language. And he uses it so fluently now that I think I'll bring him on up here with me. Okay. And that's our ultimate goal. It's not about staying down here on earth forever and ever and ever. I mean, even though that's a blessing, if you could call it a blessing. You know, you live to be 100. You've seen everything at least 15, 20, or 30 times. I mean, it's gotta, you've got to have something going for you to make it exciting again and again and again. But, but the truth is that we are all being developed into God's language so we can be taken up. See? Even if we experience death before we go to be with to heaven to be with God, we are learning his language. So when we get to heaven, we'll have to speak the language of heaven. Amen. So if you get fluent in heaven while you're down here on earth, amen, you'll be a lot of use to God because he wants people who will understand him. He wants people who will go through the trouble to get to know him. He wants people who speak his language and who trust him. Just trust whatever he's doing in your life. Just be content. You know, talk to him about it. If you have questions as to whether or not you're doing the right thing before God or whether or not you're in the will of God or what God has for you, talk to God about that. He don't mind you talking to him about things. But you want to have that testimony that you please God. And you can only do that if you use your faith. You put your faith away for a rainy day or you put it on the shelf and refuse to use it for certain things because you don't think it'll happen. Or you don't think you know enough. You, you're not smart enough in God. and You ain't like Pastor Shirley. And you ain't like Pat. You know what I'm saying. The devil tell you that stuff. Well, you can be like you and, and move what you can move, you know. <laughs> move what you can move. That's what I'm trying to do. I ain't trying to be like nobody. I'm trying to move what I can move on my level. <laughs> so it is very possible to please God on a high enough, the high degree that Enoch did. If Enoch did it, you you can do it. And it doesn't say it was an effort for him. It was kind of like a natural thing. After a while, you know, you get accustomed to talking to somebody somebody's language. Like they say, married people after they've been married long enough, they finish each other's sentences, and you know, they well, you're you're one flesh with that person. And so God sees you as one, so it's, and you have to have perfect communication one with another if you're going to get along in life. And so it's possible to be that with God too. And I think that's what Enoch was. He says, uh, he, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's number six. So faith is pleasing agreeable and approved by god and that's our scripture hebrews eleven six. it says without faith it is impossible to please him 
So God translated Enoch because he was pleased with him. Amen. God gives you more language because he's pleased with the language you're using right now. See, in order for God to give you more, he's got to be pleased with what you're doing with what you got. And so with Enoch, he translated him because he was pleased with him. So he gave him his total vocabulary after a while, and Enoch was translated. So, But in verse 6 it says, faith is pleasing to God. Without it, it's impossible to please him. So you must show God your faith. Now, everybody's got faith, and I think that's the, the argument sometimes people will, will give you if you, you know, they lack something in their lives, and you say, well, are you using your faith? You know, I used to tell people, well, do you have faith, or you don't have any faith, or something like that, but I learned to ask them, are you using your faith? Amen. Are you using your faith? Because telling people they don't have it is, is not really true. They do have it. It's just not invested in the right place. So you want to make sure people, you're helping people when you do that. Telling them you need to put your faith in God now and put your faith in his word. And so when you, when you start to do that, you endeavor to please God. You have to look at yourself as pleasing to God whenever you use your faith. It'll take away a lot of this, what am I doing wrong thing. You just start worshiping God and confessing the word and you're back right again. You understand what I'm saying? Don't let yourself get into that thing where you're laboring and puzzled about what magic uh, scripture can I confess to get this burden of, of doubt off of me. There is none. Amen. You've just stepped out of putting your faith in God. You've got it back over in the natural again where there's doubt and there's unbelief. And there's all this other stuff. And just humble yourself and get over back into relationship with God and start putting your faith back in him and back in his word. Amen. That is so easily correctable. And, you know, we, you can look back and say, you know, I used to go for months thinking that trying to figure out what to do in order to what? There you go. And that's the word we don't want to use. Because you think to yourself, Oh, if I'm not pleasing to God, I don't want to. I don't want to know it. So we've always been afraid. You know, it's hard to connect the dots. Sometimes we want to be faith people. We confess the word. We do this and we do that. But then he's, uh, does that please? Oh, what do you mean, please God? I, 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 I didn't. I don't want to please God. I don't, what do we? What do you mean? How do I please God? I couldn't possibly please. You understand what I'm saying? We get scared of that. You know why? Because it's a relationship thing. And the relationship would solve everything. It always does. But we're so insecure about relationship. Huh? Everybody's been stood up for a date once. Everybody couldn't find a date for the prom. We've all had the embarrassment of a not so good relationship. Or the one we really wanted got away. I ain't getting many old mans there, but you know, but I know. Listen, if it ain't happened, it will happen. But we're so insecure about relationship. We're always checking, you know, uh, uh, if somebody, you know, if, you, if you're married to some, give me your hand, Nola. You know, it's like, a, uh, oh, always feeling the pulse. 
How do you feel about me? <gasps> Who's racing? I don't know what that means. You know what I'm saying? We're so insecure. We want to feel it out and see what they really think. But then when we find out, we just... Huh? Because there's nothing you can do to make people love you, like you, or anything like that. So we've all felt that with people. But with God, it's not the same thing. He lets you know right there in black and white what it takes to please him. Huh? God, I'm worshiping you today. I'm pleasing you. I know I'm pleasing you. I know you like me today, God, because look at what I'm doing. And it's just that simple. But we're scared of that, too. You know what the first thing comes to people's mind? How long do I have to worship him? How long do I have to confess to him? How long? Here you know, see here. Your insecurity pops up again. We want to know how long, how much. So I'll do it. Can I, am I going to do it enough? Am I going to do this right? Well, all I can say is just step in there and get to getting with it. Because huh? you'll never know if you don't have enough faith to show him your faith. takes faith to show them your faith. You've got to believe it's worth it, period. Huh? I remember that testimony. I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, Norval Hayes gave that testimony. There was He was in a church in Hawaii preaching, and he said uh, <clears throat> he came, it was, was uh, back. He, he would go like once a year, I think, or something. And he was back there, and the, the pastor uh, showed him a gentleman, and he said, "He said this man, Lil Howard, can you get this open for me? I messed it up." He said, uh, "The the pastor pointed this gentleman out. He said he gives more money in tithes in this church than half the church combined." And Norval said he remembered the man. And he said the year before the man was broke. He was credit card debt debt to friends and relatives he was a business person he had some kind of construction business and uh, what had happened was he would work with a lot of independent farmers and i think dole company had finished buying up everything you know they were the dole uh, dole was the man responsible for overthrowing the government in hawaii went back in the uh, 1800s drove the queen queen lily lydia kalani out of her throne there for the pineapple. You understand what I'm saying? So there's some naughty stuff. You know, people say America is all bad or off, but there are a lot of people who have ripped off. You understand what I'm saying? The government pretty much has helped them do that, but that's another story. But anyway, they finally finished buying up all the rest of the independent because they've been wanting that whole business forever. I buy generic pineapple. <laughs> Just for the price only, you know what I'm saying? But anyway... But uh, this, this guy drove him out of business because he was a smaller business person and he worked in the harvesting and stuff with the little independent people. And so when he came into the, the prayer line, he told Norval this story. And Norval said, he said, now, Norval said, now I'm going to tell you how to be prosperous and wealthy. He said, I can tell you, if you do what I tell you to do, you get it back again. See, this is where you lose, like Norval says, 90%. Of Christians, because most people think it's impossible to please God and get those kinds of results. But it's very simple. It's real simple to show God our faith. Very simple. 
All you do is go to the word and you ask God, what do I do? Is, is this for me? If this is for me, God, how do I put that in? You start praying about it. When the devil starts fighting, you confess the word more and get yourself to the next thing. That's how you please God. Just every day do it consistently over and over and over again. And it's the consistency that bugs people. I don't know what it is about committing to something that drives most people crazy, but we want to feel like we have the option of not praying sometimes. If doggone it, we don't feel like it. And I know God's going to bless me anyway. Uh-huh. Your little sheriff rides up in you, you know, like a, what's that little guy that's always shooting? Yosemite Sam. Dag nabbit, you silly varmint, you know. That thing that resides in us that likes to rebel against commitment. And so (laughs) Norval said, he told him, he said, I want you and your wife every morning to get up and worship God and just worship him. The guy never asked the magic question. How long? He never asked. See, when you get broke enough, sick enough, (laughs) poor enough, old people enough, you won't ask how long. And so the guy said, he told Norval, he said, we did that every day. He said, for a month and nothing happened. And he said, we did it another month and nothing happened. He said, but by that time, he said, we had made up our mind. That we were going to do it whether nothing continued to happen or not. And that's when you please God. That's when you please Him. Well, you make up your mind you're going to do it no matter what happens. Because something in you will click and tell you this is the right thing to do. It's about pleasing God. I feel good about this because I know it pleases God. When This is the other thing about God. When you please him, he'll let you know it. I don't know how for every individual, but he will let you know it. And it doesn't have to be that your prayer gets answered. Because, see, if that's the parameter, if that's a measurement, we quit as soon as we get something, which enough of us do that anyway. You know what I'm saying? But he wants, if you're going to have the Enoch thing, you know, I know most of us don't want to just evaporate from earth. But it's going to happen to all all of us one day anyway. Some people, just better sooner than later for some people. They love God enough. You love God enough, you don't ever want to leave him. You want to be with him all the time. And so he'll accommodate people with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. But Norval uh, said, the guy said that after about four months or three months or something, it wasn't a whole lot of time. But he said uh, he started getting calls, got a call from Dole Company. We don't have enough machinery. And I hear you used to work with these people. Can you come work with us? And so they started working with him on the price, and they were paying buku money. Because they were under pressure to get this stuff done and get it out. So they didn't come to him cheap either, baby. You know what I'm saying? Throwing him a bone. Next month, can you send us so many more trucks and so many more workers and so forth and so on. So now he's a contract worker for them 
where the, he's committed his business really to them, which they should have tried to do that anyway instead of, you see what I'm saying? When you're done wrong, if you live a life pleasing to God, he'll make it right. In fact, he'll make them pay you interest on what they stole from you, return your dignity to you where he don't have to borrow from all his, his relatives. They, by that time, nobody wants to see him coming. You know what I'm saying? And so all of that embarrassment, all of that that you suffer because of lack, God restores all of that to you. And, and the, the normal said that pastor said his tithe is bigger than all the combined tithes of half the people here in this church amazing what god will do when you please him it's not hard to think about pleasing somebody you know i can remember when (laughs) you wouldn't know it now but i used to if my weight went up five pounds i was oh god i gotta i quit eating and you know until it dropped off again you know it didn't take but a couple days but i kept myself with it (laughs) Then I got to where 30 didn't scare me. (laughs) I don't know what happened to me, but five pounds used to make me nervous. And I put on 30 and it didn't scare me. (laughs) No, that's wrong. Forgive me, Lord. But Whatever was driving, but insecurity was driving me. That's the point I'm trying to make. And and it'll, it'll... It'll make you nervous. But if you if God doesn't let you pick up insecurity again, and yes. <laughs> you're pretty content, you know. Nothing scares me. Think gonna scare me with that. <laughs> but, but but you don't need to beat yourself up in order to do the right thing. That's all I'm saying. You just put down your own weapons. You know, and, and you pray about it and you say, well, God, if you can help me lose weight now, I'll have to give up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you struggle. You struggle your way through it. You work your way through it. You give it over to God and you believe he's helping you to take care of it. Amen. These things have to be released to God. I want to be, be thinner because I feel like I get around better on these, these, aging, these aging joints. You know, and all that kind of stuff. I think it would be better for me. I, you know, I'm not trying to, to uh, find no man. Huh? Let the man find me. Huh? I got a lot of boyfriends on Facebook. Shoot. They over in foreign countries and we will speak the same language, but. <laughs> they, ain't seen, they ain't seen the maintenance and upkeep yet. Yeah. A makeup bag looking like a war chest. You put my cream. That's my joint joint. But you like a cream. <laughs> Got a cream for every inch of your face. That's my right here on the side cream. That's the cream for right down the inch underneath. There. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anyway, so so. <laughs> From my notes, faith is pleasing, agreeable, and approved by God. So when you use your faith, you are pleasing, agreeable, and approved by God. So quit wondering what you're doing wrong. Uh, If God don't answer that real quick, just don't labor yourself about it. 
and go just go and start worshiping him again go get in the word say god i'm sorry here i done stepped off over on stupid again let me go over here where i have peace and contentment with you he must approve of our assurance of his existence he's got to approve of that not merely to be god but to reward us if we want to know him more so the bible says he who comes to god must come in faith believing number one that he exists he's got to be alive to you and not only alive but he's got to be a friend to you too he's a rewarder if you continue to seek him not if you say your scriptures a certain way or you read a certain the book the bible a certain number of hours every day or you confess the word over and over it's just he's a rewarder if you diligently seek him not things not the words not scriptures not not uh, christian music but you got to seek him if you can't find him in all that then you're you're not really seeking you're just going through the motions you got me doing religious things hoping you can put him off you know put off really facing god really seeking him getting to know him there's something about seeking god and knowing god that makes us vulnerable you know that insecurity will pop up again it's just me and him what does he think about me i mean really and so if you number one you've got to know that it is possible to please god it's not impossible if you look in the whole chapter the 11th chapter of hebrews the whole thing is is a list of people who knew it was possible to please God. They knew it was 100% possible. So that insecurity about relationship has got to go. If you live continually, if you walk, and this is what I've found, if you walk continually under the blood, and by that I mean don't walk around mad at nobody all day long and then you can't let it go. It's not under the blood. That's craziness don't be so insecure around people that you you know that that's selfishness this is just you on your throne all the time you think about yourself so much you know you got to be just so you got to be you know you ain't all that but but when you when you come to god you got to see yourself stripped you know uh, <laughs> you know i was looking at myself the other day i went i pulled my sleeve up and i said Oh, I found a new buddy under here. I can tuck the excess of. I mean, you got to make friends with your. Okay, now Josh, look, Josh, looking like. Oh, I need to get her in the gym, man. <laughs> you want to take me to the gym, <laughs> Young, these young people are something else, man. They look at you, and it's a constant makeover, kind of. I'll get you in the gym, baby. You won't have that buddy hanging up under there, huh? Listen. Come from a long line of women that had buddies hanging up on the line. Tuck my shirt up real good. <laughs> Bad, I wasn't gonna use that. I looked at it though. I said, "That's pretty handy." <laughs> I used to despise you, but you keep my sleeves up and whatever. I mean, what you gonna do? You gotta make make friends with it. I don't know until it goes but don't hate it you know we're working on it josh we're working on it buddy but if you got one of them them 
Give me one. Okay, hook hook a sister up. Shoot, Michelle Obama could do it. I could do it too. Oh, she's living in the White House. See, I don't want to go through all the sus- liposuction suspects I got out there. See. Suspect licked is very long for that kind of thing. But anyway, we won't go there. All right, so we. <laughs> he that comes to God, you've got number one to believe God is alive. And Muslims like a dead God because they can do what they want to do and use their book to back them up. See, all that is is people who have no restraint. They hate everybody. They want to kill, steal, kill, destroy, and murder everybody. And they use their book as a, as a validation for what they do. We don't do that. You don't go to the Bible. I mean, you know, anybody who knows God, you don't do that. Now I know it's a lot of people. Some people, when they're new Christians, the first thing they do is run. If they have a disagreement with somebody, run the Bible, see, make sure I know I'm right. Uh, <laughs> it's called witchcraft. But anyway, we don't go to the word with that because you won't hear from God if you if you do that. You've got to humble yourself and want to know what God wants you to know about you. He ain't going to tell you nothing about your neighbor. He's going to talk to you about you. Huh? <laughs> he said, don't come to me about the little speck that's in your brother's eye. You've got a beam in yours. You can't see straight for hating. Huh? And judging. <laughs> hating and judging. It gets us into more trouble. <laughs> that's religion. Every church is built on a lot of that, you know. If you don't pray enough to root it out of there, it'll take over everything. We all came from churches like that. People looked at you and eyeballed you and, you know, eyes followed. If you were new in the church, eyes followed you forever. All around that place. Creepy. Creepy, creepy, creepy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> So God has to be pleased. Faith is pleasing, agreeable, and approved by God. Faith makes us acceptable to God. That's really what made Abel's offering acceptable. It was the prescribed offering. It was the one God prescribed. But also he had faith in doing it the right way. You've got to do both. You can't do what God demands and do it grudgingly. You've got to do it in faith with a contrite heart, under trying to get understanding of what, what pleases God and seeking to please God. And that's what Abel did. So faith was, was pleasing to God. The purpose of using your faith is to please God. And you do what's acceptable to God by faith. Amen? He says his grace is sufficient for us. And grace really, faith really opens the door to his grace. So really faith is sufficient for everything that we have to do in God. It opens up the door to God's favor for us. And he gives favor to people he approves of. He doesn't bless you unless he approves of you. Somebody else's prayers are not getting you everything you get in your life. Don't ever get twisted like that. I mean, you've got to have faith to let it happen. Huh? You do. You know, when people would come to Jesus, he wouldn't assume what they wanted. He said, what do you, what do you want? Here's a blind man coming like, 
And Jesus says, what do you want? But you got to say it. Because without faith, you, you know, faith, your words are expressed. Faith is expressed in your words. That was the only reason he had. He knew what they wanted. But they had to open the door to receiving the, the miracle by expressing their faith. Huh? Nobody else was holding back on what they wanted from God. You know, people send you these little prayer requests. It's an unspoken request. Well, we will not speak of it to God. Because I wouldn't know what to ask you. I said, God, give them unspoken in Jesus' name. You don't trust me enough to tell you what you, tell me what you want. Like, I'm going to sit up and judge you. And I'm asking just like you are. You know, my life consists of continual asking. I don't care what you're asking for. Couldn't be as big as what I need. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know. We must expect, our faith must expect reward. In order for it to be, you can't just be shooting it out there and and don't believe it's going to happen. You have to expect reward in order to please God. People who don't expect reward are just playing. You know, they're not really, you know, see if it happens kind of thing. You've got to expect reward. In, In... Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, God will reward you. I mean, he will warn you about things coming in the future. Now, all these people that see doom and gloom all the time, I just don't believe they all hearing from God. Because anybody can sit up in, in fear and imagine the stuff that they talk about. You think you don't need to be holy, you don't need to pray, you don't, but the stuff they say, oh, America's in such grave dire. Well, you are too. You live here. You talking about America like it's off someplace else. Huh? You, you in grave dire. Better start praying for yourself. Huh? But, you know, a lot of this stuff, it hits you and you, and you, you, kick it out because you don't receive it because there's fear attached to it that's not god warning people the bible says that the wisdom from above is first what peaceable i don't care if it's the worst news you ever heard once god tells it to you you've got a peace about it and that's the only way noah could have done what he did he could not you don't build nothing nervous You'll mess it up every single time. Noah be up there hitting his phone. Oh, shoot, I hit my thumb again. Well, God, I can't work on my boat today. My thumb all messed up. You can't do anything without the peace of God. Even if you're building for safety in the future. When you pray for your family, pray for your children. You go to God and you talk to him. God, what do I do? And God will give you peace about your children and tell you how to pray for them. And help you understand that no matter what happens, they are in the ark of safety. And quit your worrying about your kids. They're his kids first anyway. They first belong to him. Now he'll let you participate and enjoy some of it, but you got to be cool. You know, you got to listen to him. When, when Pharaoh had a dream that disturbed him. And they went to Joseph. Finally, it was Joseph's time. It wasn't his time before. 
And it was Joseph's time to, to come out of prison because God needed him to work for him. You don't come out of prison to, to go give your testimony and all the haters. You know what I'm saying. This, is, we, this ain't about that. We ain't no gang here. This is the kingdom of God. You understand what I'm talking about? You have your moment to be exalted so that God can put you to work down here for him. If Joseph wanted to be King Joseph in his own domain, he could have stayed in his daddy's house. He was running stuff as it was anyway, well before his time. See, in your flesh, your flesh knows what you can do as well as your spirit man. Your spirit man is kind of slow catching up. But your, your flesh can start to test things and find out what you are capable of doing way before it's time for you to do them. So God has to restrain you, pull you back, get you to where your flesh is so powerful so that you can catch up with where he is with your gifts and your abilities and all that kind of stuff. So here's finally Joseph's time. Pharaoh has a dream and he is so worried about it. He tells all of his, you know, astrologers and all the people supposed to know everything, be able to d- interpret dreams and all that. He said, if y'all don't tell me what this is all about, I'm going to kill all of y'all. That's how upset he was about the dream that he had. And so the first thing that Joseph did, God had Joseph do when he, when he addressed Pharaoh and knew what was going on, the first thing Joseph told him was what? Calm down. God will give you an answer of peace. Amen. And so when he said that, Pharaoh calmed down and came, came into the spirit of where God was able to minister to him. That's the first thing we get from God. When we get born again, you get peace with him. You don't feel like you're being hunted down anymore. You can't even conjure up fear about your sin anymore when you're newly saved. You understand what I'm saying? That's the first gift that he gives you is peace. And so when we get wisdom from god you can get a warning from god and it can have dire consequences like elijah he had to prophesy that they were going to have three years of famine well you gotta live here too elijah you ain't going someplace else and you can at mcdonald's every day and everybody over here is starving so you gotta prophesy your own discomfort sometimes because it's the will of god but you have peace about it because elijah said hey if we ain't, I know one thing, I'm staying close to God. If he killing righteous people, then I'm going, but I'm going to be with God, you understand? But he had enough sense to know if you continue to serve God, you'll be around. Uh, you'll be around when the famine's over. You'll make it through. All these people, I'm appalled at Christians who are selling doomsday food provisions. This little dried up stuff and you put water. Listen, I'm going to be having my burgers out on my grill. Y'all can put water on that stuff. And then if the water contaminated you dead anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. I serve the God that rained manna from heaven. When they got sick of bread every day, he gave them quail. You understand what I'm saying? So he can rain in anything from heaven. He did it before he'll do it again. I'm not worried about storing up. I say that. I ought to see my refrigerator. <laughs> it's a hot mess. Cold mess. But, you know, <laughs> I'm working on it, though. I'm working on not hoarding. I'm just storing up for neighbors and friends. And <laughs> People knock on your door. You go, what you want? <laughs> you can get my tuna, you know. Huh? 
But faith can produce fear with within us until we obey the voice of faith. Huh? It can produce a fear within us until we obey the voice of faith. So it'll stir you up to attention. It's the godly fear that it'll start to produce in us. And then we use our faith to go through the instruction that God gives us. Make sure you get your instruction for preservation. That's what the doomsayers don't get. Everybody that sees, oh, America's being judged. Well, what does that mean? Huh? God will not punish the righteous with the wicked. I have it on real good authority. You're, you better tr- start trying to live for God is what you better do. I don't care what is coming. <laughs> it's the same answer. Good times or bad times, you've got to live for God. You find you've got to get under the shadow of the Almighty. Run to Jesus. Do what you need to do to stay close to God. Answer is always the same. You don't get any doomsday provision outside of God. If those people aren't teaching you to <clears throat> to live for God every day, I don't care what kind of provision they're selling you. You're not going to make it. Uh, excuse me, man does not live by bread alone. So Noah prepared an ark. You notice it never mentions that in all those years it took him to build it, he ever got nervous that he was running out of time. Why do we? Faith brings with it the time necessary to complete the task. All you got to do is stay with it every day. Or every how often. I don't know if, if uh, Noah was a weekend warrior, you know, and had a regular Monday through Friday gig. But he was consistently at the making, the preparing of the ark for his safety. Whatever God has you preparing for your safety, as long as you continue to work on it, you'll get extended time to complete it. You'll have enough time. There'll be enough time to complete what God gives you to do. He doesn't tell you to do something and then let's not give you everything you need. Time is part of your provision for accomplishing the task. He knows how fast you work. (laughs) I won't say that, but how slow you work, whatever. And he knows what kind of time you need. And he's made provision for all of that. Faith brings time with it. God brings time with him. Faith is part of the spirit of God. It says also by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. See, the doomsday prophets are talking about what they see. Anybody can look at this nation and tell it's all messed up. He's just telling us what you see already. But you still have not provided us with an answer. It says, it was moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. He condemned the world. That's why your your little unsaved friends don't like when you come around. Did Noah say anything to them? It's not recorded. He said anything, said anything to anybody. He was just building something. 
you don't have to say nothing to nobody anyway, and either and they'll hate you. You got me? Because any time you step into their arena, your faith comes with you. And faith always passes judgment on unbelief. That's how you stay in faith. Faith, when you get in faith, say, for instance, you've been walking around thinking you missed God, you didn't pray enough, you didn't know, what did I do wrong, God? And you get in faith, and somehow that unbelief leaves you, it's because your faith passed judgment on him, and he had to move out the way. So you don't have to really do anything. You just show up in God. Huh? I'm showing up in God. Huh? Y'all better watch. I'm dangerous today. I didn't put God on. And I'm taking him with me everywhere I go. Huh? Got God on me. Huh? And see, we take it personal. Oh, man. If we could get over ourselves. We could just get over ourselves. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you have to watch yourself with this. I I watch myself sometimes because sometimes you like being vindicated, but, you know, you can't enjoy it too much and please God. Because sometimes, you know, it'll be people you minister to and, and they don't receive the word. And they get sick and they pass away or something like that. And you say, see, told you. So you got you want to do that, but you can't do that. Because which person are you? A minute ago, you wanted to see him well. You were offering him prayer for healing. And now all of a sudden you think, well, I told him, eh, you can't do that. You can do that. That's not pleasing to God, man. Because God wanted him well, too. Nice thing is, if they were saved, they're with the Lord now. So we can all rejoice in that. But it's not about us as individuals. Like they refuse my prayer and now look at them. Huh? Can't, you can't get over in there. You re-repent. You tell God, you know, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. You know, you don't want to see the worst happen. You can't rejoice. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Amen. So if you get excited about it, some get excited because they went to heaven to be with the Lord, not about anything else. So we have that fear. You, it passes judgment on unbelief, and that's a good thing for you and for anybody else who's doubting God. And so when, when we have people around us who look at our lives and want to criticize and want to tear down everything that we're doing, they can't hurt you as long as you stay with God. So... Why even stop to consider what it is that they're saying, you see? Your faith will not let you consider what the enemy is saying against you. Faith just continues to go forward in pursuit of God. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and your word, for the opportunity to get to know you better as a consequence of our faith or as a byproduct of our faith. That's a blessing that comes along with our faith, Father. We can get to know you in a very real way. We thank you, Lord, for that knowledge, that spiritual knowledge, that truth that comes in. It's such a blessing to know you and to abide in truth. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If you want prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God.